Hello, I'm Howard. Welcome to one-off preview podcast. Looking forward to Wednesday night's rearranged and hopefully COVID-free game against Everton. Uh, delighted to be joined by Matt Jones, a big part of the Everton podcast, The Blue Room. Uh, hello, Matt. How are you doing? Not too bad, mate. Thanks very much for, for having me on. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad at all, to be honest. It's been another good weekend, but must be so easy be... with that, do you? So. <laughs> big game, you know. <laughs> rock up to Anfield and smash them for one. It uh, life must be good at the moment for you guys. It is considering two months ago. You know, it seemed like it was going to be one of those seasons. So it's uh, to be honest, I didn't see it coming like this. Yeah, one like <laughs> this just during the current climate. I did not see it coming uh, coming at all. Are you looking forward to the two games this week? Two big games. No, I'm not now, and that I think that that's horrible, really, because I think if if Everton had got any kind of win against Fulham on yeah. Sunday night, then I would have been, you know, properly bouncing into this one. And I think, you know, that that's not to say I don't realise the the scale of the challenge it would be facing this Manchester City side, and maybe not necessarily facing this Liverpool side, but facing our history at Anfield, coupled with this Liverpool side, you know, they, they would have been big challenges. But I think we all would have gone into it thinking. You know, with a sort of bring it on sort of mentality. Um, whereas after Sunday night, it's sort of, I think you go into that mode as a fan, don't you? When you have a, a bad result, that you think you look at every game all of a sudden on the fixture list and think, where's the next win coming from? And yeah. unfortunately, I think a lot of Evertonians are in that sort of mindset today. Would it not be better playing Liverpool? It is a way into it on Saturday, the derby. Is that yeah, it is. It's, it's Anfield. It's Anfield so. Yeah, and so, Everton have been great away from home but yeah. I think as much as you'd look at that and say that's you know could be the main factor here I think that the overriding factor is the fact that Everton won haven't won at Anfield since 1999 and have conspired to lose that fixture in in the most ridiculous heartbreaking frustrating angry ways possible so I think as much as you can look at it and say Everton are better away from home I think their record at Anfield against us sort of uh, sort of trumps all in that respect I have to say, you've gone out your way to mess up that fixture in the last few years. And obviously, oh, I can't remember. So. I won't have the memory of matches that you do, but even I can think of some. I mean, you've had some good opportunities to win that, you know, win a derby and really failed to grasp it. Yeah. And I think that the other, it's not even just that Everton have gone there and blown chances. It's, it's the case that they've not been ahead. They've not been ahead in a game at Anfield since 2012. So that that in itself just you know sort of indicates how how poor they've been there down the years and you know there's there's been the odd game where they've gone there and played well and, and it's been a bit unfortunate you know the Jordan Pickford Arigi game stands out for that but um, in the main they've they've gone there and as soon as they see that the cop they've they've recoiled into the shells and played terribly so yeah um, it'll pick up be. A bit foolish of me to sit here and say that I think Saturday is going to be any different. But we've got a game on Wednesday, first, I suppose, which we need to concentrate yeah. on. Yeah. Well, City haven't won at Anfield since 2003, so maybe this is the year. So I think City are a bit better than Everton at the moment. That's the, that's, yeah, that's but the it's one. a derby. I mean, we used to beat United occasionally when we were rubbish, so, you know. <laughs> anyway, I won't, yeah, I won't go on about the derby. <laughs> I mean, me in derby week, I just prefer not to think about it until as late as possible, so uh, I won't go on about it. But uh, Everton, I know this has been the season, obviously, with no crowds, where I think there's been more way wins than ever. But how really can you explain Everton being so poor at home compared to away? Is there an actual reason for it or does it make no sense? Yeah, I think it, I think that what you just said there in regards to the landscape just being a bit mad this year is, is sort of contributing towards this for, for every team. But I think it's 
it's in regards to the way in which Everton have played this season and the best results have been when they've been able to to sort of disengage with the game, sit back, defend really well and then take their opportunities through one of three things really, either scoring from a set piece, which they've been very dangerous on this season, scoring through Dominic Carvalhoon, obviously, obviously he's having a great campaign, or relying on, on Hamas to produce something in regards to it being a pass, a, a shot from long range or, or something else. That, that That's sort of been the, the free routes to goal for them. Um, so that, that's how they've tended to play and been at the best. But when the onus is on them to, to push forward and, and try and squeeze the game and, and, and push on and you know put teams under pressure, they, they've been pretty hopeless at it, to be honest. So it's been no surprise to me that in the last two home Premier League games, Newcastle, who were on a, a 10-game uh, losing streak, rather, yeah. came to Goodison had loads of time on the ball and suddenly remembered that they were professional footballers again. And Fulham, who came to Goodison Park, I think having not won in 12, have won two of the last 22 in the Premier League, had loads of time on the ball and suddenly thought, oh yeah, we can play our way back into this. We can get our best players on the ball and, and grow into the game. So there is an issue there in that sense. And, you know, I, I just think the manager still, you know, he's been here over a year now, but he's still learning about this, these players, still learning about what positions he can, he can play them in. And hasn't quite got a formula, yeah, for for playing well at home and, and being able to put teams under pressure at home. Um, so yeah, it, I think it's it's you know as much as it can be a crowd thing. I think it's probably more of a, a stylistic thing for Everton at the moment in regards to how you cope with these sides and how they're letting them sort of find their way back in when they've not been playing very well. Yeah, I mean it's just in a weird season. Just looking at the table before we started, you win your games in hand, you do go into the top four still, even after Sunday's result. So I know there's like probably a recency bias that you're thinking of the Fulham game and you know things are down right now, but generally, uh, maybe before the weekend anyway, were you quite happy with how the the season was going? Did it go better than you probably expected when it started? Or yeah, for sure. Yeah, if someone had said that you know you're going to be in that position going into um, this game, you know this game coming up after 22 games, you know you're in seventh place, you could potentially get up into the the top four if you win your games in hand then, then it would have been made up because Everton finished 12th last season in the Premier League which is you know it's it's a, it's a measure of the, the the improvements that Carlo Angelotti's made and this season we've had some great results we've had some great performances there's been some great moments you know look at Old Trafford last weekend last minute equaliser beating Spurs 5-4 you know the lads have shown real mentality and real quality at times but every now and then there's just a sort of they just sort of remind you that the old Everton's still in there. The Everton that let Newcastle get the first win in ten. Let you know the Everton that let Fulham get the third, the third win of the, the Premier League season, and, and that that's a little bit worrying. And I think gradually he's getting that that out of them, but it's it's still there. It, it's not completely gone yet. But by and large, we've, we've signed some really good players. You know, Abdullah Decore's come in and been fantastic. Ben Godfrey looks like he's going to be a. a you know, a star in the making. That lad's got everything to be a, a really good centre back. Um, Hamez has been. You know, fantastic in glimpses. So they've they made some good signings, and the one real year Angelotti had, uh, or sorry, the one window Angelotti really had to, to improve the squad. Um, so I think there's still faith in the manager. There's there's obvious signs that he's getting it right, but that little nagging doubt that Everton are going to Everton things up is uh, is still there and is still being borne out by by some of these mad results we've had in the last few weeks. So as the fan base, do you think the top four finish is realistic, or is the current feeling that? That will be beyond you by the end of the season. I think it's it's been on the the car. It's been in conversations for a lot this season from from various people and something that the manager and the players themselves have come out and aimed for. And 
I've never completely written it off. I've always saw, sort of thought they'll be in with a chance, but which when you see the way they play in games like last night and and when you see the games they've got coming up this week, I, I do sort of feel as though it's it's going to be beyond them in that regard. I don't necessarily think they've got the squad depth. Um, I don't think they've got the personalities and the squad needed. And listen, I know it's a mad season and these crazy results happen all the time, but th- there is just a sense still from Everton that when there's an expectation on them to to do well, when there's an expectation on them where they can go and win a game to go, like last night, level on points at Liverpool, or you know we've had cases earlier in the year we could have gone second in the table. They've tended to wilt, and that, that's still there with them. So I, I think they'll be there or thereabouts in regards to the top six. But if they've got a game, say ten games from the end, when they've got a chance to go fourth or you know go close to fourth with a game in hand still or something like that, then I'm not entirely sure I trust these lads yet to be able to get over the line in matches like that. Uh, they're getting there slowly, and it's they're still going to be painful moments. But I, th- I think top four ultimately will be a, a little bit beyond them. Yeah, I see Manchester stock is still. Very high with fans. Oh yeah, massively so, mate. Yeah, it's. Um, I think while we can talk about what he's done on the pitch, in, you know, like City and Allen say, like I said, Everton were twelfth last year, and I'll be surprised if they finished anywhere below seventh this season. That in itself is progress. He's brought great players to the club, but I think what what what's maybe not been picked up on in wider circles is that he genuinely seems to be having a great time with all this as well. He's really thrown himself into the area. Um, and I think when he when he arrived at the football club, there were a lot of people sort of saying he's only here for, for, for a payday. Yeah, uh, Obviously, it's a massive step down for him, which, which it obviously is in terms of the clubs he's been at. There's no denying that. And there's a sort of sense that he might become disengaged with all this very quickly. But, I mean, every time he does an interview for, for the TV or for the papers, he can't help but bring up Crosby where he lives and how much he, he loves the area and, and how, you know, how beautiful he thinks the scenery is. He's, you know, before COVID hit, he was out in the city all the time, happy to interact with people, sampling local places to, to eat and drink and that kind of thing. And I think that's really endeared him to, to a lot of the supporters that he has taken on not only this job in terms of a football and sense, but he's flung himself into to Liverpool city living and, and, and the surrounding the surrounding area. And for someone like him, it's you, you know, is so steeped in history, is such an influential figure in the game. That makes us feel good as supporters that he that yeah. he's taken all this on board. So I think it, I don't think anyone's really got a bad way to say about about Carlo. Have these? He's, he's a gentleman. He's he's a class act. And I think while it's you know sitting here now and at the day after that result against Fulham and saying he got a lot wrong last night and he, he's got to shoulder a lot of the blame for that. Overall, I think you, you'd struggle to find an Evertonian who wasn't happy with the, the direction he's taken us in generally um, at the moment. Has he ever commented about where he wants to take Everton, where he sees the squad yeah, I think, going? Is it is it top four? Is Champions League football his aim? Yeah, I think he, he's spoken about doing that and potentially beyond as well. And you know, if you you know someone like him, ultimately, while this is a step down from some of the clubs he, he's been at, he, he is a he's a winner. He is one of the biggest competitions in the game as a as a player and a manager. And I, I don't necessarily think he's going to rest on his laurels. And you know, you look at City at the moment, and and you know, you, you can't really comprehend Everton being in in that kind of brackets you know there are light years between those two clubs but I think he'll have the ambition to, to get Everton there I think he's, he's going to be backed by the the club obviously um, Mashiri's invested a lot of money in this over the last few years and a lot of it has been you know to put it bluntly pissed up the wall by by some of Carlo's predecessors um, but he seems to be getting it right he seems to have an eye for a player he's obviously going to rely a lot on experience and I think he's going to be here probably 
if he's here beyond 2024, I'd be surprised if we're being honest. So, and I think Everton, I think Everton appreciate that. And while it, you know, in the past we've had managers like Silver who effectively were seen as like, you know, the start, you know, a coach who would start the process of a long-term rebuild. I think of Angelotti, they've realised they've got this fellow with pedigree. He's going to be here for a short to medium amount of time. We've, we've got to back him. We've got to throw money behind him. We've got to give him the players he wants. We've got to play in the style he wants as well. And I think we'll, we'll see that in the summer. I think Everton, having offloaded a lot of deadwood in, in January, will be able to go again. And I think while top four will be beyond them this year, um, I, I think next year is where there will be a, a lot of pressure on them to be up and around the likes of Leicester, the likes of Chelsea, the likes of you know Spurs, that, that, that kind of bracket and, and try and build in that way. Uh, looking forward to Wednesday's night game. I just thought <laughs> popped into my head from the intro I did. Do you think the original cancellation, can't remember the date, it was over Christmas, was it not? Because Yeah, 28th. 28th, I, think. I guess, yeah, because yeah, yeah. both played on the Saturday night, I think. Uh, do you think it was handled badly at the time, being called off such uh, short notice? I, I can understand why everyone was pissed off of it, to, to be honest. Um, obviously, from a City point of view, the anger seemed to be from Everton that the statement was a little bit harsh, I can't remember exactly what it said, but there's sort of no mention in there of wanting the City players to, to get well and stuff like that. And I, I can understand that, to be honest. Everton probably could have worded that a little bit better. But I think that the, the point that I think was missed so much by, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if this was the case with City and you guys in general, and but the wider media seemed to paint Everton as just being completely pissed off of this because they were playing well and they wanted the, the game to come. And I think City at that that point obviously had players out with COVID, they had a few injuries and it was sort of a case of, well, Everton wanted to play City at this point because of the players they, they've had out. That's, you know, that, that's why the, the fume in the game's been called off. But we're speaking to Everton and what's gone on. What, what they were really annoyed about is at, at that point, I know teams ages ago, you could still have supporters going to the ground. Oh, so yeah, of course. Yeah. Everton had 2,000 people who at four o'clock, thought they were going to a match at eight o'clock over Christmas. Um, you know, weather horrible and all that. They also had employees who were at the stadium trying to get ready for a game, who had to be tested, of course, and all the, the protocols that, that go along with that. So Everton have put this big infrastructure in place to get the game on, which is no mean feat in, in this current environment. And I think they were just a bit annoyed that having done all that throughout the day, that they were only told in the afternoon after the decision had effectively been made by by the Premier League and, and Manchester City that that this game was going to go ahead. So I, I think that's where Everton were were really angry at the time when the match was called off. I was made up because I thought you know we we we'd, we'd had a lot of games at that point and a lot of injuries. I thought this this is a good a good time for us to to not be playing Manchester City if, if we're being totally honest. But Everton's anger came from the fact that they had arranged the game to go ahead and put on a match on in pandemic times is not easy and people would have been put out people would have had to have been tested people would have had to have left work early to get there and for it to be to be called off at such short notice was was a bad move I think Listen, they should have put in the statement we hope the City players get better that, that that's that's fair enough but um, the anger wasn't so much with, with the footballer side of things I think it was the anger and everything that went on off the pitch with it yeah, forget about the crowd because we've never had here you know, in Manchester region. There's never been a chance to have a crowd at any point. So uh, yeah, it feels like in, always been in the wrong tier. So. Yeah, it feels like I was lucky enough to get one in the ballot for our first game back against Chelsea, and it was just such a bizarre experience. You know, the whole thing. You know, we had to arrive at the ground an hour and a half early, being tested, going in, sitting in a seat that, that wasn't your own. It was, 
it's it's just like it, it feels like a little time capsule looking back at it now you know in, in, in amongst all this madness but um you know hopefully that'll change again soon and we'll, we'll be able to get back in yeah the, we played newcastle on that saturday night and i applied in the palette i wasn't sure where to go to be honest but you know i uh, thought it'd be interesting experience anyway but it's weird because that the original game city fans wanted to play that because i think we were better obviously with our squad that was built up, you know, an investment in it. We were a better place to play a game 48 hours after another game hmm. than Everton were. And I think Ancelotti talked about he was going to rest Calvert-Lewin, that he had players out. Did you not? I think James was out. Yeah, he was out at that point. Richarlison was out as well, yeah. Yeah, it was in our interest to play it that night. So I just found the general media response about City trying to get it called off so they could have a break. Just laughable nonsense. Because yeah. it would have to be played at some point. And yeah, I just, it's yeah. It, it weird. Was just, I it mean, we're talking of, about COVID at the end of the day. It's, it's not as if they, it yeah. could have been handled a bit better, no doubt, from all sides. But you could, it's not something you can take chances with. Uh, yeah, 100%. And I, from, from what I heard, you know, City, had, City didn't call the game off the Premier League. Did City requested it. And the Premier League, I think, had decided earlier in the day and did nothing for quite a few hours. So, which gave, you know, we told Everton a lot earlier in the day. We wouldn't have this problem. Yeah, they've had a bit more time to deal with it. Absolutely, yeah. mate. Or, or even just say, you know, there's a chance that this might be called off. Yeah, later. exactly. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's when you're trying to put on an event like that with the, the world as it is at the moment, I, I can understand why they, they, they were really annoyed. But, but like you said, these things uh, get sensationalised, don't they, in various quarters to, to get people reading them and, and clicking things and, and trying to make it out as if one one party acted disgracefully and the other one didn't. Whereas the reality is probably the in a bit of a mad rush where City had players that were COVID positive, whatever, so we're trying to put a match on and where the Premier League were trying to deal with it all, that wise got crossed somewhere and, and these things ultimately happen. Anyway, it will hopefully go ahead this Wednesday. Uh, now you talked about Everton's struggle against, say, Newcastle or Fulham. Do you think, because obviously City, the onus won't be on Everton as much, do you think we will see... Are you confident any chance of seeing a completely different performance against City compared to what you saw on Sunday night? It's it's really hard to say because I think a lot of that those performances, you look at the one against Chelsea, you look at the one and they've had against Leicester, Arsenal, uh, they've been to Leeds and, and Wolves and been really good recently playing that sort of way. That is a style that, that suits them and it's it's obviously borne fruit with, with wins in a lot of those games. But City are a step above every side in the league as we've seen this season and whether you can play that way against Manchester City and not offer an attack and threat and just sit defensively and soak up pressure it's a lot harder against players of that calibre than it is against you know Arsenal who are, you know, have got the, the flaws Leicester who've got the flaws Chelsea who've got the flaws so the honest answer is uh, I, don't, I don't really know and it's, it's, it's mad we've got to this point in the season where there's only 16 games to go and we've not played each, each other yet uh, so there's no, even like, there's no even like point of reference for the end of the season but I think, I think what you'll see from Everton is they'll go back to a system that includes at least three centre-backs in the back four, if not four, with Luca Dean potentially pushed on the left side. And it will be about containment. It will be about trying to um, play on the counter-attack. Um, I'm not entirely sure if you'll if you'll risk Carbot Loon for this one, or maybe you'll just think that you know this is a bit of a free hit for us and maybe save him for, for the game on Saturday where he might have a, a bit more joy against a, a ropey Liverpool defence. But um, Everton are going to defend deep in this game. They're going to try and spring, and they're going to try and play on 
on, on set pieces and that kind of thing. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they snuck a draw. That's just more on on feelings than anything than than anything else. But um, if it would be if we're being realistic and looking at the evidence here, then that is City's game to lose for sure. After 16 wins on the bounce, my feeling is a draw still. Uh, until recent years, we've done okay recently. Obviously, Goodison has been a terrible place for City to go. Uh, yeah, having not played, you now get to play each other three times. Now in a <laughs> know, short yeah. period of time. Yeah, I, I think uh, the cup game has been announced at half five on a Saturday. So, yeah, well, usually at this usually at this time of the season, we're che- cheering you lads on, aren't we, in the title race? So, uh, <laughs> but there, there, there won't be uh, there won't be much of that over the next few weeks. Think of us playing each other three times. Uh, Calvert Lewin, of course, had a niggling injury recently. Uh, do you know if he's back in training yet? Is he? Do you think he's due to feature saw, Wednesday's match? I think it sort of got the sense that if if Everton had had the derby on Sunday against Fulham, that he probably would have played. I think they would have got him on the pitch somehow. But I think, and this sort of ties into the performance as a whole in that game. He probably thought he'd get away with resting him and and playing Richarlison up front, but it didn't work. But I just. I just feel as though he might rest them for for the game on yeah. on Wednesday and sort of make sure he's completely fresh for for the match on on Saturday. I think um, I think Pickford will come back in. Whether you think that's a good thing for for City or not, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, and I think the the probably another important one is is Alan, who's been out injured since the start of December. Um, he was on the bench on Saturday, and I'd imagine he'd probably play some part. You know, I think he'll probably start on Wednesday. Actually, I think he'll bring him straight back in for that game. So big loss. Do you know? Not as big as a thought actually, because because Tom Davis has come in and done well. Andre Gomez has done well in, in little spurts, but he, I think the fact that I'm sitting here now saying that he comes straight back in is it's just an indication that he is ultimately a cut above both of those in terms of his his work on the ball, his defensive acumen, and and his aggression and personality on the pitch as well. I think that's something that. That he, he lacks a lot. So as much as as much as Tom's done well and Gomez has been in and out, I think he, he does come straight back into the side. And yeah, he, he will ultimately improve us. Yeah, it's a silly question for me to ask, really, because I kind of know the answer to this myself. <laughs> I know the Everton team quite well. Uh, but which players do you expect to really cause City problems? With Carlson, has he been in good form for pretty much all the season? Would he be the biggest threat to City? Do you think? Not the way he's playing at the moment, mate. No, he's he's stunk he's stunk the gaff out for long spells this season. Um, he's scored a couple against Spurs, which we all sort of thought would trigger him back to life. But he played up front at the at the weekend and was 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 really poor. And he just doesn't look particularly happy at the moment. And you know, there's a lot of people jumping to conclusions about the fact he doesn't want a beer and, and all that kind of thing. But I don't, I don't know. I, I just think we're seeing a a young lad who. He loves going back to Brazil and playing for his country and seeing his family and being involved in community things there. And he just looks a little bit like that. Maybe, maybe things are getting to him a little bit in regards to just having to, to be stuck in all the time and go to train and go home, play the match, you know, just being in those three locations perhaps. And listen, I, I, that's not based on any sort of inside information. It just sort of maybe just just an opinion on what, what I can gather from him. But he doesn't look particularly happy. Uh, the players is going to cause City problems. Um, Obviously, Dom if he plays, but I don't know if he'll be involved. Um, do, do you know what? The, the player who's, who's been good for us in the games this season against some of these top sides has been um, Awobi. He's, he's played on, on the right-hand side, and he's just sort of been tasked with being that outlet where you can get give him the ball and he'll just get you 30 yards up the pitch and, 
and give you a bit of room to, to breathe. And he's not going to get in the box and score goals or create loads of chances. But when Everton have beat some of these better sides this season, just him being that outlet has been a big boost for us. But I don't even know if he's going to play or not because Carlo's selections at the moment is a bit of a tombola, if we're being honest. But yeah. I'd, uh, I'd definitely have him, in, have him in the side on Wednesday. Um, apart from that, it's hard, it's hard to say, really. I think I think Ben Godfrey, like I said, has been great for us. Um, I imagine he'll play a fullback on Wednesday, and he, he can gallop up the pitch and, and you know run into tackles and all that kind of thing. But aside from Carvalhoon, from an attacking point of view, it's um, it, it's scarce because I don't think Hamez will play. I think he's got a bit of a knock, so he'll oh. probably be be Sigurdsson involved. But Has, yeah, how's not, he not, been? Not, how's he been, Barry? Because he's the for me, the you know, he's probably the player. Neutrals would don't watch him or would say oh, he's probably going to be inconsistent. You know, he's brilliant. He's obviously got the talent to to be, yeah, you know, to hit the any heights whatsoever. Has he been consistent at uh, Everton this season? Yeah, he's he, when he's been on the pitch. By and large, he's been he's been great. Yeah, it's um, it's just he sort of had a weird injury over Christmas where he just disappeared and. Then he was back for the, the game on New Year's Day and there was no photos of him around the club or anything like that. And I just sort of thought maybe the manager said, just go back to Columbia and, and have Christmas off if you want. But um when he's been on the pitch, he's been he's been great. And I think he, I've seen him characterised as being, you know, typical South American luxury player and all that kind of thing. And I don't necessarily think he falls into that bracket. I think he, he tries to defend and he, he he tries to run off the ball. But he's just not very good at it. <laughs> it'd be, it'd yeah. be like it'd be like a centre back going up front and trying to attack and just not being able to do it. Um, but it, but his quality on the ball and you know set piece delivery, long range shooting, is you know taking the ball in tight spaces and, and finding passes. That's um, you can do that as, as well as any player I've ever seen in an Everton shirt in, in in my lifetime. It's just about getting him on the pitch and. I think more importantly, getting the, the pieces around him. You know, if you play him in a team like we did on Sunday with Sigurdsson and Gomez, who are not mobile footballers, then all of a sudden the whole team looks very sluggish. But if you've got Alan next to him and Decore next to him, and you know, potentially a, you know Ben Godfrey on on the right right back going up the outside, and then all of a sudden things look a, a lot better, and you can accommodate him in the system a, a lot more. Um, but it, just a few little injury problems here and there, a few bad performances, but but by and large, he's. He's been brilliant when he's been on the pitch and, and given us some some great moments this season. Just brings it home in a way though that the moments you, you know you're watching on the TV, sort of play you want to see in the flesh, don't you? Yeah, uh, yeah. That, what that, he will be there next season, obviously. Won't he? So. Yeah, he's, he's signed a two year contract in the summer with an option of a third, so I don't think there's any any issues from that regard. But yeah, he's he's been he's been been great and I think if Everton could have had him on the pitch a little bit more often this season then they probably would have been a bit closer to, to those top four places because he's he's got that game changing ability which certainly not many players in our squad have and probably not many players in, in the league have if we're being honest So do you think, the final question on the match, I say, do you think Everton's best chance is really to sit deep? Yeah, that's that's hundred percent how they'll go about it. There's no way they're going to go into this game and you know, be, you know, if Edison's got the ball, you're not going to have, it have Everton's forwards press right onto Stones and Diaz or whoever plays at the centre back for City. You know, up and up until you get into our final third, you are going to have basically free possession of the football, um, and, and they'll sit in. and And that's it's not been great to watch at times, but that's ultimately how Everton have got the results. And I think it. The issue, I think, for us here now, and obviously, you know, goes without saying, the city's quality is in attacking areas is, is ridiculous, and they will cause problems. But it's just finding a way out of that because I think 
earlier this season. I remember watching City against Spurs at, at the um, at the London Stadium, and I spoke, I spoke to Dave Mooney about this actually earlier in the season. And you know, it, it was a shout from me, which was proved to be completely inaccurate. But I said that you know, City then reminded me a little bit of, of you know, latter day. Arsenal under Wenger were going away from home. They just look quite meek and you know easy to play through on the counter attack. And and since then it's just been it's been ridiculous the the sea change and, and the defensive quality and the way they've been able to get control in midfield. And it just seems as though they they managed to cut out those errors and and make themselves a lot harder to play through. So as much as I, can, I might be able to sit here and say you know Calvert Lewin can cause problems on the break, Richarlison could cause problems on the break. City have been so good at, at limiting teams in that sense. So. I just worry that Everton are going to get a bit smothered in this game, and it's going to be a case of knocking it to Carvet Lou, and he's going to have, you know, two City centre backs to contend with for the ball. And even if he does win the ball, he's going to be under a lot of pressure. So that, that's the worry for me. Um, but yeah, this Everton team are mad, mate. They're just they're just bewildering this season. And with, with that in mind, it wouldn't surprise me if they somehow managed to, to scab a draw from this game. I mean, it's a real after United's results at the weekend. It's and Liverpool, of course. It really is the freest of hits for City, so. And, I mean, I don't even think a, a draw is you know, certainly not a disaster for City because no-one else is playing. It's our game in hand, so. And yours, yeah. of course. Uh, it's one of those seasons when, yeah. you, when you least expect it. You know, we, we draw it home to West Brom and then and then we go and win 15 on the row, whatever. Don't want to depress you, but that Spurs game <laughs> was the last time City went behind in the league game. That's yeah. That's that's a remarkable start. <laughs> no, I just yeah, I, I, after that game, if if I said, oh yeah, you won't go behind the league game for three months again. The only time you will will be against Cheltenham in the FA Cup. Yeah, you've been there locked up basically. So yeah. there's just something about this Everton. Just they're just a weird team. This Everton side. They're, they're so bizarre in, in the way they, they pick up results and the way they play sometimes. And I would I wouldn't rule them out getting something. I don't think they'll win the game, but it it wouldn't surprise me if if they managed to, to find a way to a draw here because they're just they're just that type of team. I, I can't put my finger on on what it is about them because sometimes they look like they won't score at all if they played all night, and then there's other times where they go to Old Trafford and score three in forty five minutes and play Spurs in the cup, yeah. the second best defensive record in the league, and score five times. It's they're just the bananas outfit, mate. So it's it's hard to say with any great certainty what we're going to get from them. Is it? Unfair me to say that they've been like that for many years. Um, I don't. I don't think they've, they've been as as good as this for, for for a long time. And you know, like I said, it's, it's a lot of recency bias here because I'm still fuming after, after the Fulham game. But you know, for them to be this close to the top four probably hasn't happened since Roberto Martinez's first season. So a lot of 2013, 14, yeah. and you know, all the all the points, you know, totals Everton have got since that season. This is this is the team that's got closest to them. So. Angelotti's definitely doing the right thing, but um, it, it's so deep-rooted with Everton that if you're on a winless run or you, you've got a striker that's not scored for a long, long time, then we are the side you want to play. And I think getting get, getting that mentality out of them is is probably the biggest challenge for Angelotti. You know, it's, it's, it's psychological because we've got some good players there. And we've got a young squad with some exciting talents in there, and they should be they should be in and around the top six and pushing for top four this season. But it's the mentality with Everton. Whenever there's whenever there's a chance of them being, you know, made to look look stupid by a team that's been struggling, then they tend to to play up to that. So I just listened to you. It's just like listening to me for like <laughs> throughout the nineteen nineties and two thousands, basically. Mm. I'm pretty sure David Battioni ever scored against Manchester City. 
Well, I, th- uh, I think the, and Tim class- Cahill has scored. Obviously, Tim Cahill would always score against it. Oh, he, he scored against last everyone with a head. Yeah, he used to score that end all the time, didn't he, at the Etihad? But <laughs> the, 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 the Everton one, I remember, it was the, the, they were playing, so I can't remember which team it was off the top of my head, but they, they were playing against the team, and the, the team signed someone called Esteban Fuentes, and he played one game in the Premier League, scored against Everton, the winner, and he was later found to have been signed illegally, so never played again for, for, for that team. So I mean that's that's that, that's the classic thing with Everton, you know. Those, those sorts of things seem to happen, and I'm sure every every fan you speak to from every club in the country probably says their team are the same. But uh, it certainly feels as though there's the, the, the toffees play up to that uh, that mantra more than anyone, really. I hope I said this. Is it Chen Tosson? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Did you loan? Who did you loan him to? He's gone to Besiktas. He's, he's gone did you loan him to a Premier League side before that? Yeah, he was a Palace, wasn't he? He scored against City, didn't he? Yeah, exactly, that's my point. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it went really, went really badly out to they, they loaned him to Palace and, and immediately he scores a goal. But yeah, yeah. so old habits die hard sometimes. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, I wrote in the notes, uh, you, yeah, confident about the future, but I'd like to link that question now to some uh, breaking news that's happened just before we record this. Uh, I didn't realise this was going to happen, so I've got lucky in this because I was just wondering about, uh, I was writing the notes, about your new stadium, the Bromley Moor development, and if there'd been any news on that, because I've not heard anything recently, and lo and behold, some news has, has come out uh, just before we recorded this, so uh, you've probably not had a chance to look through all of it, but is it looking positive now that you will be moving to a new stadium soon? Yeah, so to sort of sum it up a little bit, um, Liverpool City Council did a report on it and it was recommended for approval by the council's report, which means that, so we're recording this on uh, Monday the 15th, aren't we? So the, the Liverpool City Council will effectively have a planning committee meeting on the 23rd where they'll discuss it and it's expected to be approved by the council. And then once that goes through, and you know, th- there's, there's no chance of it not going through through the council, it will then go to central government and will go before the Secretary of State, who I think is Robert uh, Jemrick at the moment. And then the government will look at it and make a decision on whether it needs to be called in for an inquiry or whether it can be effectively given the rubber stamp and go ahead. I think I think there's been some fears that it would get called in for an inquiry for a while. But speaking to the club today, they seem a lot more confident that they'll be able to get through that process. And they've sort of briefed the they're looking at getting things started in the spring or the summer. So that's, you know, it's, I think a lot of people are being quite cynical about it today, going, of course, they've released stadium news today after we got swatted by Fulham at home. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, um, but it's been in the pipeline for, for a while, this, and it, it's just come out today. So it's great news in that sense. It's, it's going to be horrendous having to leave Goodison because it's, you know, such wow. a, a great such a great stadium and, you know, that's, so many memories there. my next question. Yeah. Everton fan, obviously I've been through this move myself. And uh, honestly, it's 18 years now, and my memory's not the best anyway. General feeling, my memory is that City fans were reluctantly okay with the move. There was no riots or, like, you know, huge, huge... Obviously, there would be some fans who were dead against it. I just wanted to remain at Main Road, and still do. Uh, but I think generally there was a, an acceptance that if the, if the club was ever going to be successful, it needed a better ground than it had. Uh, what's been the reaction with Everton fans is there an acceptance too that you must make? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the focus at the moment is more on look at this amazing stadium we're getting on the waterfront. 
more than how far away more, is it? Sorry, from where it's, it's about it's about a mile and a half. So you know, not not far at all. So if people know Liverpool, the geography of Liverpool, city centre. If you get off the train at James Street and walk on the front, it's about twenty minute walk from from town. So that's that's a decent thing in itself. But yeah, I, th- I think people are more are excited about the design. Obviously, it's really unique and an, an iconic location for for the city. Um, but you know, I, I don't think many people have really thought about the prospect of actually leaving Goodison Park yet. Maybe that'll start when this starts to get built and you're effectively looking at going, bloody hell, we've only got three more seasons at this place or two more seasons at, at this place. And that's when it'll really start to sink in. But um, I think we've known for a while that Goodison is is a little bit dated. Uh, it's a great stadium. We all we all love it, but it is a little bit dated. And if Everton want to you know, eventually push on to, to challenge the likes of City and Liverpool and United at the very top of the Premier League, then... They need to be in an arena that's, um, you know, generating more money that can house more fans and is going to attract some better players. So um, yeah, it'll be a sad day when we eventually leave Goodison Park, but I think we all are appreciative of the fact that it's got to happen soon. Yeah, you can't have a stadium with poles restricting your view anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, 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 I sit in the Gladys Street in front of a pole, so I've, I've not really got any, any of that. Um, but yeah, apparently, apparently, as an away fan, it's a bit like watching the match of a letterbox, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If the ball goes high, you've got no chance. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Last time I went to Goodison, we lost 2-0 when I think Michael Richards gave a penalty away. Rubinho was so bad, he came on as a sub and was sub. So I was quite, oh, yeah. I remember I was that quite happy not yeah. to be able to see some of the pitch, to be honest. It was just, <laughs> it was just the old city you just lost there every time. So uh, if it does all go through, do you know, have you got a date of when it might actually open? Or I think that the... I think they're working on a three-year time frame for building. So, if it all went streamlined and you know work started in the summer, it'll be twenty-four, twenty-five. Would be the, the first season there. But these things never go on time, do they? You know, I think if, if they're in there by the twenty-five, twenty-six season, then I think that'll be a, a good outcome. Um, and you know, especially in a world like with, with COVID, where you know, who knows? You know, who's got much money at the moment and who's going to want to invest in these sort of things? But I mean, I think they've got the, the finances covered. I think they've been working well on that, and they've got a backer in regards to building it. Um, but you know, I'm sure there'll be some. They'll probably no one are looking. They'll probably find some kind of rare fish in the dock or something, and we'll be able to <laughs> yeah, to build fossils, it there. Yeah, yeah, something like that, which means that they can't build on that site or something like that. So, uh, yeah, there's still a few hurdles to overcome with it but it's uh it's it's exciting and, and you know certainly that the closest the clubs come really to to being able to 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 get a new stadium having had a few failed attempts in the past i mean city's only took a year but the world it was a bit different there was already a stadium there yeah mm. uh, all they had to do was dig down and put another tier on it so <laughs> uh, not quite the same really yeah. <laughs> it was commonwealth stadium so and put a roof on it obviously it's manchester so uh, what, what will be the capacity anyway when it opens I think it's going to be fifty-two and a half, with the potential to go higher. So, right. um, and I think I think they'll be able to fill that. To be to be fair, I think they, yeah. they've had you know, they've sold out all the Premier League home games for the last four seasons. Now I think it is they've got a few, you know, about ten thousand people on the season ticket waiting list. It's going to be closer to town. It's going to be, you know, in a better location for people. There's going to be more neutrals wanting to go and watch a match there because, like you said, you won't be sat behind the pole. In the stadium, so um, I think I think they'll be able to fill that, and there'll be an option for it to go. So I think it's fifty-seven and a half with with safe standard and all that included as well. So um, yeah, th- that, that's about right for me. I think they pitched that yeah. pretty much spot on. Uh, just quickly to finish off, that as a neutral, is the title race over? Oh yeah, I'd say so, mate. Yeah, yeah. 
what is it? It's seven points with a, a game in hand in your uh, head now. Yeah, it is seven points with a game. So in even, hand. even you're losing count. You, you're streaking away that far. <laughs> um, I mean, it's only. I'll say it's thirty-five days since we broke into the top four for the first time. That's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, City, you know, for virtually the whole season because they play the first weekend, have had a game in hand, and of course. Still have one, so yeah. Finally, this week we won't have one in hand. So, you know, at some point, that's seven points behind, I think, with a game in hand. So, it could have been four. It was Villa at home, so obviously not a guarantee. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's not just been about City, of course, and their one, but more just as surprising a way is how the likes of Liverpool and United themselves have imploded at times in games, often, you know, in this crazy season that you'd least expect them to drop points in. It's if it, it, it for, for me. I think you know City have been unbelievable for a long time. Certainly under Pep, but I just sort of look at it and I think this this team more than anything. I think is is testament to to his coaching ability. You know, I think from 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 what I've seen of City, and you know, I've not not watched watches every week, but you know the players that are really doing it from an attacking point of view. Cancelo has come on a lot because of his coaching. Foden is the player he is now because of the way he's developed him, despite getting stick from everywhere about not playing him as much. You know, he's got his development perfect. Gundogan, he's managed to, to make him a much better player this season with, with De Bruyne having a bit of an injury as well. And I think it's um it's it's, it's no surprise to me that I think the the best manager in, in the league for me in Guardiola in a mad season where coaching and man- management and rotation and all those sorts of things are really important that it, that it, it is Manchester City team that are beginning to streak away with this now because I think he's uh, he's done a great job with, with that squad and, and some of the players that at the end of last season you potentially would have looked at and thought might be on the way out of Manchester City are suddenly flourishing and, and look like some of the best footballers in the league. I'll be honest, yeah, I had my doubts two months ago. Just did think if it was his last season but then he signed a contract and yeah, yeah. <laughs> prove me wrong again. That's not the first time. <laughs> yeah, the thing, yeah, with a lot of players, it does take two years to get when you join a Pep team. And uh, my final question, quick word on Liverpool's problems. I put you must be gutted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It's 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 so hard to even like laugh at them because they always get the last laugh on us. Like, well, that's it. Yeah, you know, it's I'd love you know it was you know it was funny watching Allison chuck them in the last couple of weeks, but you sort of look at it and go, well, they're playing us in a couple of weeks, and that's probably going to be their game where everything starts to turn around for them again. Because as I've said already on this podcast, Everton are just that team that you want to play when you you're on a on a terrible run, and certainly in a Merseyside derby, but. Yeah, it's it's it. I, th- I think this is just the case of maybe they're them reaching the summit and sort of going through what City went through last year, where they need to take stock again, rebuild, find some players, refresh things a, a little bit, and maybe they'll do that in the summer. But um, you know, I, th- I think as much as it pains me to say, I think they've got too many good players and too good a manager for them to not be back in with a shout of, of being champions again next year. Uh, it's yeah, the way the intensity of a say a Pep team or. Clock team or any team that plays intensely, there will be a burnout. So, hmm. but I do think the owners might be a problem for them because I don't think there'll be any money to spend. So, yeah, here's open mate anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't see you. Know, I generally thought they could, yeah, you know, with the city's problems early in the season, could go on to dominate for two or three years. So, here's hoping indeed. So, uh, probably makes life easy for you anyway, not having the fans gloating for at least a few weeks or half. Yeah. But I'm sure they'll still do a parade when everything opens up again for winning the title. So, got all that to look forward to. Yeah, that's good. Do you think they will? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, probably will. Yeah, probably will. 
that would be weird. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's not it's not like them to uh, to, you know, to to cling on to things and that sort of stuff and rub it in people's faces. Uh. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I'm sure it'd be fine. Very understated, though. I think it will. Be. Yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, we've run out of time, so thank you very, very much for coming on and talking, chatting. No problem, mate, any time. Yeah, and I was going to say good luck this week, but I don't mean it. Good luck at the weekend, then, I can say that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, good luck with the rest of the season anyway. It would be great to see a different team in the top four as well and in the Champions yeah. League. It, who knows, it's very tight, so... Yeah. It is open, just, mate, yeah. I'd, you I'd, just need... You basically, you need to put together about four or five wins on the bounce at some mm. point. Just doing that mini run just basically will get you into that top four. So. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah, they've shown the capable of it, I suppose. But, yeah, I was going to say I'd, I'd wish good luck to you guys after Wednesday as well, but um, I, I don't think the way you play at the moment you necessarily need it. Honestly, when if we won, when we won the league against Liverpool, I wasn't celebrating until into injury time of the last game when West Ham, I think, needed three goals to lose us. Honestly, it was just, no, it's not done for me yet, but obviously I cannot believe what a good position we're in considering where it was two months ago. So, yeah, can't complain for now. So, yeah, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. hope you enjoyed that. I've got loads more coming up, obviously, Wednesday debate, the review of the Everton match, Friday show, the Joe show. There's a blog and the newsletter. If you've not subscribed yet, do uh, check that out. Uh, yeah, do thanks for listening. Take care. Stay safe, everyone. And I can say this on this podcast, up the blues.